trying to get back to the basics of great products. Power comes from sharing information. I try to convince people to slow down. Free. Yeah. Open. This is the Soak Dice Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Soak by Slush Podcast. My name is William von der Palen and over in Copenhagen, Isak Rautio. Hi Isak. Hi William, nice to see you again. Nice to see you too. And today we have a interesting guest and a very interesting topic. So welcome aboard Avi Meir. Thank you. Would you like to start off by just briefly introducing yourself and, and Travel Perk as well? Yeah, sure. So uh, quick uh, personal background. I'm originally from Israel, although I've been living in Europe for the past 15 years. Uh, background uh, in technology. So I've been writing code since, since I was very young and moved to the business travel uh, or travel in general, um, you know, travel industry um, in 2005. So it's been a while, uh, you know, gives away my age a bit, uh, I'm 38, <laughs> but basically my entire career has been in travel. And most recently uh, as a co-founder and CEO of Travelberg, which is the fastest and largest, um, uh, fastest growing and largest uh, business travel platform uh, for SMBs, for small and medium-sized companies, Globally, we started uh, with you know our focus in Europe, and now we are actually uh, expanding and doubling down in the US, which is our largest market after our acquisition of a competitor, which you know I'm sure we'll get to talk about uh, you know today. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, been in, doing this journey for the past six years. The company is uh, 450 people uh, all across the world, and we so far raised a hundred, almost 150 million dollar. Um, from various uh, funds, including DST, Chinovic, Target Global, uh, and others. Yeah, so as you hinted, and the sharpest listeners will already have connected the dots, the last year has been tough. And <laughs> I think this is uh, something that we're going to talk about. There's this one article that we need to cite before we start talking about this. Uh, ben Horowitz wrote this thing called the Peacetime Wartime CEO article, which is uh, basically splits the different sort of archetypal roles for CEOs in different scenarios. Uh, would you like to open what that means for you? How do you interpret those two ideas and how has how has it uh, affected your work in the recent years? Yeah, I'm not sure I fully uh, buy into the, the, this kind of, um, you know, divide uh, where you have a clear line where you have, you know, war and peace, um, mainly because, I, uh, you know, Fast-growing uh, startups. We were um, getting into into 2020. We're growing. We never had a quarter where we didn't grow 3x uh, in revenue year on year. And this kind of growth, this kind of um, rapid change of everything from your team to product to uh, markets in which you operate, sometimes feel like war, right? You're just fighting a different type of war. So I'm not sure I buy into you know everything is peaceful and then everything goes into war, unless we're talking about maybe big, you know, stable public companies where, you know, they, they got into this, this wartime from a relative stagnation, right? But that wasn't the case for us uh, at Fireberg. So, um, I, you know, of course, I, I, I know his theory. I'm, I'm not sure I buy into it uh, 100%. Uh, yeah, no, having said that, yeah. yeah no, go ahead. Having said that, of course, we had to go through a different, uh, you know, going from this growth moment to, COVID time and, and 2020 and what what uh, we needed to do during the year, of course, it was a different, um, we had to take different decisions and we had to operate in different time horizons and with different uh, uh, goals in mind. 
So in this sense, maybe I'm a bit being a bit too contrarian. Uh, so I agree there was a different operating mode. Uh, my my point is only that it's a kind of a continuum rather than a distinct kind of binary war or peace, uh, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, no, yeah, I think that makes sense, and and I think it's purposefully also written in a quite black and white manner to emphasize emphasize the point. But obviously, um, not everything is is that clear, especially in a company like yours with rapid growth. But but having said that, as you said, uh, you 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 had the rapid growth, and then when COVID started last year, in in um, how did that feel? And and uh, obviously that changed should have changed also the outlook for you a little bit and, and your industry was heavily affected by by everything. So um, did it change your decision making uh, at all? You know, the uncertainty that had arrived with with uh, COVID and, and if so, how? Yeah, um, so so you're right. I mean, our industry, you know, being business travel um, first has suffered uh, like many other industries, but I think one of, one of the most hit industries obviously uh, is business travel. Uh, we're talking about, you know, back in April, the entire industry was a negative or, or reduction of 96, 98% of volumes, right? We're talking about basically going to zero. Um, so, so yes, we, we were hit pretty heavily. Um, we also had uh, leading indicators that this is coming because of, of the fact that we are we're business travel. So we saw, we, we don't have a huge business in, in Asia, but, you know, we do have uh, some customers there and we saw the numbers already started to decline um, kind of, you know, end of February. Um, I was actually, you can find, embarrassingly enough, you can still find this interview on, on YouTube where I went to Sky, uh, my first, I think, uh, live interview ever. You, you go to the studio and, you know, you sit and they kind of make, you know, the wake up and all of this stuff. And then I want to talk about, you know, we had just released our, our sustainability product called Green Perk. Uh, and it's, you know, it, it, it was great news and I want to talk about that. And it's still, by the way, a great product and, and, and will drive a lot of our business in the future. Um, and, and I was there in, the, in this, I went to London uh, to talk about, about uh, Green Perk and, and the interviewer wanted to only talk about this virus. Something, <laughs> I think it was mid, mid-February. Um, so yeah, so, so we had some leading indicators uh, for this, uh, that this is coming. And when uh, I remember I came back from uh, the last holiday before COVID, I, I landed in, in uh, the 1st of March back in Barcelona, and we had to meet with the team on a weekend. We knew that this is going to basically change the year for us. We had a very uh, different idea for 2020 before, before uh, COVID, obviously. And then we uh, met the leadership team you know, uh, on a Sunday in the office and just uh, build a new plan. We just said, Let's you know discard everything we had in mind for 2020. Let's build a new plan, given that this is coming, and we don't know uh, a lot of what we don't know is, the, uh, is, is what is going to influence uh, the future. So we need to build a plan with not much certainty uh, to the future. So how do you build this resilience in, in the plan without really knowing where you're going towards? And this is kind of what what we had to come up with. Right. How many days were in between you first getting an inkling of that this might be a thing into then having to make that decision that, okay, now we have to do something? Yeah. Probably about two, two three weeks uh, between the yeah. beginning of the data and then having to change the plans. One thing I've been thinking about this past 12 months for many companies and entrepreneurs, which is probably challenging, is that you have to be very reactive during this, this uh, year and, and you don't know what's coming 
and you need to adapt. As you said, your business goes almost to zero. You need to do something else. But is there how big a risk is there that you end up, you know, making very reactive decisions, forget your long-term objectives and strategy, and then suddenly after the crisis, you you don't have even your core business left? Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a great question, and and it's it's a big risk, right? And the way I would look at it is is more than if we have to use cliches, uh, the, the you know, instead of the work cliche, we can use the storm cliche, you know, of of, of sailing, whereas you should still keep in mind, you know, the ports to which you're sailing, but also take into account the weather that has changed and the winds and the, and the waves. So you might have to take a detour. Uh, but if you, you know, if you end up landing in a different continent, then, then uh, you kind of, by definition, failed in your, your mission to go to the port. So uh, I think it's important to keep the, um, uh, the, the end goal in mind or, or the next milestone in mind, but also to be pragmatic about the storm that, that is going around you. Uh, and realizing that you, if you force it, you'll just break your boat and, and break your sail and, and be stuck at you know in the middle of the sea. Um, so yeah, you have to be reactive to the environment. Um, if you can, you need also to keep in mind the port. And I say if you can because the reality is the main and, and this is kind of what was the, the the new strategy, if you will, that we had for 2020. The first priority was to survive. Right. So we have set three goals for the company for 2020. The first and the most important one being we, we need to survive. We need to 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 weather the storm and and have our our, our boat kind of intact and 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 at least have some sailing ability for 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 after the wind. So uh, we needed to cut uh, obviously cost. We needed to make sure that we are responsible with with how we spend our money so we can extend this runway uh, regardless of how long this crisis will last. And and remember back in in April or March of last year. Uh, it wasn't obvious that you know how long it will it will or it wasn't clear how, how long it will take. Um, very few people, I think, thought it would take so long. Uh, and we are today in, in what we are end of March, beginning of April, 2021, and it's still not over, right? So, so uh, this could be a very long journey, and we need to make make sure you pace yourself. So, um, make sure you have the right priorities for uh, for for this uh, uncertain future. Yeah. Yeah, if we continue with the with the storm analogy, uh, let's say you're the captain of the ship and the executive decision is in your hands. Uh, you have to be the last guy telling the ship to turn either left or right. Does it change your mindset? Uh, we don't have to talk about the war analogy in the same way, but you're in a pressing situation where something external that you can't control is affecting your core business. How does this change your mindset as a, as a yeah, leader of, 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 your, uh, of your group? Yeah. Um, you become much more focused, I would say, in, in immediate priorities. Right, so so, and again, if survival is 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 one, and obviously was number one for us, everything is is focused around that and and the other priorities. So so, kind of the resolution of of what you can think about changes. Um, I found that you also um, become much more. Um, you increase your your empathy uh, and the sense of responsibility for the team and for the customers. You know, so these are kind of the two. Um, uh, main, um, you know, worries that you have is, is your team and your customers. Um, the investors also matter. You know, you know, they're probably listening to this podcast, so you guys matter as well. But <laughs> team and customers always, always come first in this moment. Uh, and I just found that you have uh, an abundance of, of of empathy, and and it's almost unlimited, right? You don't you don't find that you are 
finishing the day is like, okay, what about me? You know, I, I spend the day thinking about others. It's the more you do it, the more you feel uh, full of empathy and, and uh, you know, sounds a bit, a bit uh, cheesy, but love, you know, like this is a moment of high emotion. And I found that as a team, we, we connected on, on a very different level emotionally uh, during this time, not just me, like the whole team. Yeah. This is kind of a <laughs> quite a big contrast because I'm going to quote Ben Horowitz here. Uh, peacetime CEO strives for broad-based buy-in in decisions and, and wartime CEO neither indulges consensus building nor tolerates disagreement. So I wanted to get your take on, and I probably know what you're going to say, <laughs> but based on, 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 based on this and how did your decision-making function uh, look? You already said that you, you gathered the leadership team on a Sunday and built a, built a new plan together and, and tried to have empathy for the whole team. Uh, but were there some aspects where you need to, needed to be quite firm also to to make sure that everyone was in fact uh, sticking to this new plan and not, you know, having this higher resolution of thinking? Yeah. So um, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know uh, Ben Hover's uh, background enough, uh, well enough to, to know if, if he actually went to, to an actual war situation. Um, but but I have right. I was I said five years in the military in Israel, and and um, the reality of of actual war um, or, or more stressful situations is you cannot actually um, get the team to do what they need to do without consensus. You just can't, especially because it's a risky situation, especially because there is so much at stake, and having this buy-in is is crucial. Now it doesn't mean that you 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 keep doubting each other and and, and changing your mind and uh, and um, you know uh, get yourself into kind of this analysis paralysis you know during this risky time. No, that it's not what I'm saying. Uh, what I'm saying is you take a very short but very targeted you know laser focused time to um, uh, to debate and discuss. Then you make a decision. And sometimes the decision, you know, if there is no consensus or you don't agree with the, with the decision that the team consensus is driving towards, you have to top down say this is the decision. So I'm not saying everything is kind of kumbaya, let's hug a tree and 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 dance until we have a decision. Sometimes you do have to, you know, to make it, but you have this discussion so that people feel that and they are a part of of it, and we're taking the risk together because this is all about risk, right? And we'll take the risk, we will jump into the deep water. But we have we have this sorry this discussion and this consensus, and then what's crucial is once you make the decision, you go to execution mode, and then there is no deviation from that. There is no zero room for reopening a debate or reopening a point that we already agreed on. So the discipline is in execution, and there you know my team you know I'm sure will will will, will if you speak with them they will tell you uh, how I approach it. Uh, I have zero tolerance for oh you know let's go back and reopen it after we made the decision even if. It's not perfect. We have to go for it, and we have to commit uh, to the jump. Uh, so, so there are just two steps, right? You meet on the on this weekend and have a discussion as a team. Uh, you make a decision. Sometimes you, you know, I have to kind of top down, uh, force it. Sometimes it comes from team consensus. Um, uh, and regardless of who made the decision, then we stay stick to it and, and execute with this in mind and with, with no kind of deviation from that. Yeah, this reminds me of a brilliant Bob Dylan quote that to live outside the law, you must be honest. 
So when you're not constrained by your sort of predetermined norms and you're living in a new situation with vol- with a volatile uh, with volatile sort of variables, then your the team's trust in each other and the sort of team's uh, integrity is what matters. And, and I think that fits perfectly here. Eventually, eventually you fight in in real war or or you know our our you know virtual wars you know which are not as as risky. I mean, eventually we just you know worst case you just find another job, right? So like let's let's put things in perspective. This is not life or death. That you know it's business. Right. Um, uh, but in both, I mean, you you fight for for your friends. You fight for the people next to you. You don't fight for an idea or flag or 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 you know like some some higher purpose. The reality is. You take the risk because you trust the people next to you in your team, and I think in order to get there, you have to have this this transparency and and strong values. Otherwise, it, it just it's it's all fake. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. Hey, let's jump into a bit more nitty gritty questions, uh, more technical stuff. So, one one uh, core um, idea or one core function we wanted to discuss is obviously funding and and uh, sufficient funding during a crisis. So. Uh, many startups um, obviously raise capital up front, maybe also have quite a lot of burn rate up front because there's a unit economic positivity and you're focusing on growth. Uh, but then uh, in a situation like this where your revenue is, is going close to zero, um, what did you do in, in this situation? Did you have enough runway? Did you have to raise capital? Uh, and, and if you did, then what should you do? What did you do about yeah. it? So, so the first point is uh, we raised in the summer of 2019, and we had enough uh, capital to to go through um, even a year, a year and a half with basically zero revenue. Um, so, I guess the first advice is make sure you have enough money all the time because you don't know when the next pandemic or whatever crisis you know will impact your industry. Uh, you don't know when when it's coming next, and it's, it was actually interesting because. We raised in the summer of 2019 when things were just perfect. You know, everything we were growing like crazy. The world, you know, the, the, the public market was great. Like everything was was very positive in the summer of 2019 in our industry. And we had actually a big debate at the board of, you know, should we raise and get a dilution? Should we wait a bit longer? And the valuation kept increasing every month, basically, with 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 revenue. So just wait a few more months and you're getting double valuation. Why why raise now? And I personally, I don't like too much risk, which is maybe <laughs> funny given the, the you know the the job I chose. Uh, so I don't I don't like to take too much too much risk. But this was the risk that is not needed. And I prefer to take more dilution than to have you know to run with less runway. And you know I, I hadn't predicted COVID obviously um, you know in the summer of 2019. But what I did say uh, to my board and and, and to my uh, investors is. Um, Things are too good, you know. Like I don't know what 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 will come, and I did say it, you know. Like things, I, I actually thought it was it was going to be a public market collapse, you know, like another, um, you know, stock market collapse. And I said something will happen. Like things cannot continue to be that good for so long. Um, and 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 eventually I was right. And and I think this is kind of the the first uh, lesson is is make sure you have enough money if if you can raise raise uh, even if it means a bit more dilution. I think it's always good to have 18 months plus of, of cash um, um, in the bank. And then, you know, COVID hit and we, of course, had to cut costs. Uh, but I preferred to cut on... So the decision we took was to stick to our values. Um, and especially in in in, uh, in a moment of more difficulty, I think this is the moment where you really show your values and, and 
if it's only stick to your values in peacetime, then these are not values. It's a marketing, it's a PR um, uh, tool. And sticking to our values meant, you know, first value is, is providing a seven-star experience to our customers and to our team. And seven-star, you know, like the hotels, five-star, you know, six-star. So we have the seven-star experience to our team. How can I say I'm providing seven-star experience to my team if in the moment where COVID hit, I fire all of them because in customer support and, and sales, for example, because we have no volume right now. And 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 by the way, they all are travel agents. When, when I say customer support, I mean, we provide travel agency services to our customers. These are real people, not bots, sitting in the office right here behind me and 24-7 providing seven-star experience to our customers. So they've been doing it for, you know, since we started the company and what, you know, when COVID hits, I'm, I'm going just to uh, throw it to the street and obviously they cannot find another job with our travel agents in the middle of the biggest crisis in the travel industry. Uh, so we didn't fire them. We didn't lay, do layoffs. We, we decided to cut costs in other places. Uh, we got rid of our fancy office and, I'm now in a you know kind of semi crappy office, but that's that's okay. You know, it's it's fine. You know, we can we can we work from home anyway uh, during during this few mo- uh, first few months. So we cut the cost in office. We cut we, we don't have you know fruits anymore or it's all you know the the the, the, the startupy you know M and M's you find in the kitchen. All of this stuff we just don't have it, and we cut cost by more than forty opex. You know, more than forty percent like this without doing layoffs. Uh, that's a lot of M and M's. <laughs> That's a lot of feminine. Yeah, people <laughs> like the avocados, you know. So, no avocados. They, they came out here a joke in the company. I said, "Guys, no more avocados. Screw avocados." <laughs> you know, like, because because you know the, the you know the complaint of the typical kind of Silicon Valley complaint of oh the avocados are not uh, ripe enough. And like, okay, what? No freaking avocados. <laughs> you know, we are going to survive. I'm going to keep your jobs, but we're going to let go of the avocados. You know, so that's the priorities that we took. And I think this is the, like, it feels like it was the right decision. If you're a company that didn't plan ahead and, and didn't raise capital or wasn't able to or didn't think about it or or whatever, um, and you're facing bankruptcy in a situation like this, uh, what other kinds of, of tips do you have for, for those kind of companies? If you're really in a tough situation, you need to start saving costs, but you don't necessarily want to start by firing people. What's what are some other tricks you can use to yeah. to extend your runway? So I mean, in most of our, most tech companies, the biggest cost is payroll, right? So so unfortunately, if you're looking at a few weeks of runway and, and no way of 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 doing anything else, then you have to cut on on what on your main cost. Um, so I would say first, don't get yourself into a situation uh, if you can avoid it. Now, um, I actually worked with a few companies in the industry that were as an advisor that that were. Um, basically a few weeks before before going out of cash and they had to go back and, and beg the investors i mean this is like it sounds it sounds maybe uh less less uh sexy than, than what what you find you know on, on tv but this is the reality you go back and you beg and and you try you try your best to, to get you know some cash in uh you, you suffer from a lot of dilution uh in this event if you can get the money um and it was tough right like you know You know, many companies had to basically close shop in our industry during during COVID because the reality also is investors are not dumb and it's not like a it's not a charity, right? Like they they, they want to see how the returns are are, are coming and you know it, it, you know looking at at the world back in last April it didn't look like like any returns are coming anytime soon. So don't get yourself into situation is probably the best advice. And if you're already there, then cut you have unfortunately to cut the main cost, which I I, I suspect is payroll. 
uh, and then going back to to raise. By the way, you could also uh, uh, try to get from you know get some some funding from your customers if you have a good product that they appreciate. You, you know, sometimes they would, especially if the customers are not suffering. If your customers are in an industry uh, uh, that hasn't suffered, and we we went through 2020 where we had uneven. Uh, an uneven world where, you, for example, the Zooms of the world, of course, had a great year. So maybe if your customers are the Zooms of the world, maybe you can negotiate, you know, upfront, uh, you know, the payment for a year in exchange for a discount. So that ways of generating a bit more, a bit more cash flow. Uh, that of course you'll have to pay back in the future, but you know, if if it's a cash flow situation, then maybe from the customers you can you can get some some uh, oxygen like this. Mm. Now you said you didn't uh, fire anyone uh, during the sort of peak of the of the crisis for you, uh, but if you would have been faced with the same situation that you just explained, how would you have done it? Or have you thought about this at all? How would you have done it and then still ensured morale uh, within the team? I would have done it exactly the same way. Yeah. Exactly the same way. I, I, I'm so proud of the team and, and of our decisions. You know, this is. I mean, it's it's rare to have been tested like this and to, you know, like, it's, it's a bit like, you know, I don't know if it happened to you, like you go in the street and you see something wrong happening, like somebody's uh, wallet being stolen or violently or, you know, somebody uh, mistreating a child or whatever, like just making up, making up some bad things you can see in the street. And then you don't do anything because you're afraid, because you, you think maybe somebody else will do something and then nobody does anything or, and you just freeze, you know, which is a very natural human reaction and then you always kind of go back and like oh you know like you feel like like you should have done something differently and if it's the opposite if you did something that you're so proud even if you put yourself at some kind of risk there in, in, in sticking up you feel so proud that you were tested and in a moment where uh it, it was very difficult to react like this with with courage and and with you know sticking to your values as a person you, you did it then you you feel very proud of that so so i think this is very important you know this is not about me it's about the company and about uh, the team and we all feel very proud of how we handled uh, the year. So no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change anything. Going into culture, um, then, uh, which we we touched upon uh, already with the funding question, and and we we understand your view on that. But maybe if we could have like a checklist or something like the most important things to manage during these kinds of crises, where you where you need to. You know, ensure morale and and uh, get rid of the avocados and, and stuff. So, <laughs> what should you manage and and how should you go about uh, keeping the morale high, morale high? Yeah. So, so first, I'm not sure it's it's possible to keep the morale high all the time in you know in a time like this. So, so you have to just acknowledge also that people are going through some really tough crap. You know, like yeah. uh, and and everybody. And the thing with COVID is. In, imagine like a normal time where you know you go through normal times and somebody in the team always has you know like it's, it's a big team so one person unfortunately has some personal issue or maybe a health concern in the family but but it's a normal time so they are the one off and, and you have a, a strong network of support around them that people who are not going through the same crisis uh, who can help them and kind of uh, give them some perspective but the, one of the issues of 2020 is everybody went through the same uh, hard time so it wasn't special. Right, like like you suffering is not special. Is like everybody is suffering as well. And we had people who lost, uh, you know, family members to COVID. We had people who uh, went through, you know, uh, a very tough time <coughs> personally. Who, you know, had COVID. 
uh, thank God we didn't lose anybody, you know, in the team. But people suffered, you know, uh, tremendously from from COVID in in the team. And um, so, so the challenge is that everybody is going through it, but also the opportunity is that everybody is going through it. So you, you, I think you just have to acknowledge it and, and be very transparent and uh, open and 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 create this this environment where people feel okay to share what's going on and in the one on one or in a team. And we had session where we just you know during the the, the lockdown, for example. Uh, we had pretty strict lockdown here in Spain for seven weeks. We couldn't leave home for any reason, zero. Like we, we just were, were stuck at home for seven weeks. And imagine people, you know, in small apartments in, in the city in, with, with kids sometimes. It was, it, was, it was very tough. And we would just jump on a Zoom call and, and, and you know, somebody in the team is a DJ, so she would play some music for us. And, and people would dance, you know, and, and, and we just... It, it didn't have any any agenda of like let's talk about our emotion, but just connecting because we need the human connection, right? And uh, the human connection that is missing is physical human connection. So, so creating this space of of connecting and but just being there with people—it's not the same as being there in person, obviously. But creating this community or having this community and using the community to just have this human presence helped a lot um, uh, at the beginning. And then the second point was uh, communication and giving the most clarity that I could to the team. Um, so I would speak with the team, give them the, as much clarity as I could. Now, I also didn't know what was going to happen. But for example, I knew that I, I wasn't going to uh, um, um, give up so easily and, 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 and have them lose their job. So giving them this clarity about, hey, you'll, you'll keep your job uh, as long as we have cash. You know, The last thing I'm going to do is, is do layoffs. Um, so it just gives them a bit more confidence around around the immediate needs because you know <laughs> again you're worried about so many things and your job, your health, your family, uh, the world. You know, so communicating uh, with, with transparency and giving as, as much clarity as I could, uh, I think was was also um, uh, crucial. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think this now in hindsight has it? made you closer in a way i don't know if i'm making a wrong assumption about your military days but i'd assume that you got pretty close with those guys as well mm-hmm. and 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 would you say that it's also because of the things that you it's not in spite of the things sure. that you experienced it's because of the things that you experienced right for sure yeah i mean in general like crisis um tends to to crystallize you know and and to to uh to make uh to make groups and people stronger or to break them, right? Which is unfortunately, right? I mean, it's not all positive, obviously. And, and sometimes, you know, it does break you. If it doesn't break you, you know, that's, that's kind of the obvious, you know, cliche is like, you know, uh, what, what what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? And it's actually true, I think. Uh, so it does it bear risk, of course, and I wouldn't choose to go through crisis, you know, as, as just as a team formation uh, exercise. I mean, you try to imitate it with, with team building stuff, but it's never... It's always kind of fenced with with safety and regulation, and you know you you, you jump from from the treetop with a zipline, but you attach in three different uh, safety cords. Um, real crisis is doing this without the safety cords. You might fall down and die, and and, and if you don't, then maybe you you, you become stronger. So uh, again, I don't recommend it as a, as a as a something you choose to do, but you, but if you are forced to go through it, of course, it, it, on the other side of it. Uh, you become much more much stronger as a team, and also individually, you, you build resilience, right? You build your own resilience, and I think you know, in a way, uh, we have a crisis in the West, and in some way, uh, you know, the bigger kind of societal crisis, 
um, is driven also by the fact that we are we we our generation. I'm 38. You know, looking at you guys' faces, you're younger than me, but not by much. Uh, no, not that uh, much. <laughs> yeah. So so we 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 have lived in the most peaceful time in Europe and in in the US. And in a way, you know, when you go through such a, a peaceful and a time of abundance and and very low risk, you become weaker, right, as a society and as people. So maybe COVID also will will be a uh, if you if you're looking for the silver lining, maybe COVID would have given us as as you know in the West this a bit of resilience that we have lost since the war. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it will yeah. once we get get through it. Yeah. It's a great and, take. Yeah, exactly. About communication, still, was there any um, you know internally you you had to be very transparent. You told people. Uh, everything you knew did that vary in in terms of how you communicated with maybe you know towards your customers or investors or was it full transparency um, in that direction as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's too you know you don't have enough um, mind space to to pretend to be doing okay in a moment like this, right? So. Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, if if you want to go back to the work cliche that you know, you know I don't like, but uh, if, if we have to go back to it, then you see people crying, like you know, grown ups crying, in, in, in like, and it's it's fine, like it's it's uh, like it's a part of how it is, and and you break down, and then your your friends pick you up, and then you continue, right? So uh, you don't have the, the space, the, the mind in a real crisis, you know, like you have to be so focused on solving it and on on being there for your team and for yourself, uh, for your family. Uh, pretending is is not of a priority, right? So yeah, I mean, I was uh, I I and I encourage everybody else around me to be uh, authentic and, and honest. And you know, we went through tough times and and better times, and and you know, just accept that people are not doing okay today, and let you know, give them the space, and maybe tomorrow they'll do better. And like, yeah, I, I, I didn't waste time pretending that, that things are okay, and you know, we're killing it, we're crushing it, you know, like no, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it seems like whatever wartime, peacetime, the wartime kind of reveals that jargon. It reveals it as being, uh, it's easy to pump words up with hype when you're not faced with the reality of actually have to live up to those words in a real way. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. You mentioned uh, buying up a competitor. Was that during the crisis or already before that? And, and uh, yeah. Yeah, so so we had, this, this company is called Next Travel. It's a US-based um A business travel platform that we actually had um, met years ago. Uh, the founder, um, this brilliant woman called Wenwen Lam, um, and I have met probably four years ago for the first time, something like this. And I always appreciated, the, you know, her intelligence and her team's uh, approach and what the you know product they built. So, you know, sometimes you have competitors that you really appreciate and you're happy to to play uh, nicely with them and and. Uh, of course, you want to win. You know, it's not like uh, like you know you 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 will not give them a win, a victory. But 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 it's a friendly competition. It's like a rugby type of competition where you you will go and and be very aggressive in the in the play field, but then you go you know shake hands and have beer afterwards. You know, and you can still be friends. So we we already have, always had them in mind. Uh, they were just uh, kind of you know the moment wasn't wasn't right until until COVID hit, and it was just the, the right moment, the right timing for for them and also for us. So. Uh, it, we did it during COVID. We actually announced it uh, beginning of this year. We closed it at uh, at Q4, uh, but we had discussions. You know, probably we started you know serious discussions after the summer. Yeah, uh, it's uh, obviously great to hear that you're able to 
to do these kind of forward thinking uh, moves in the middle of the pandemic. And it's something I've been thinking yeah. about as well quite a lot um, is that the companies that are able to maybe see past this pandemic and take some more risk will be the ones that will be very strongly positioned after this all ends. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the reality is if you look at, at the, you know, the greatest companies of our time, you know, online, uh, they had either they, they created during a crisis or they had a crisis really early on, you know, from Amazon to Facebook, uh, even Google, right? So I think it's, it's again, going back to the resilience point, it builds this kind of resilience. Amazon, you know, of course, to this day, um, you know, famously uses what, like uh, doors instead of desk. I don't know if it's still true, but for a while it was true. And it all comes from the moment, you know, from the fact that they were, they kind of scale during, you know, uh, the dot-com bubble and 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 what comes out, what came after. Um, so in a way, I think crisis actually helps um, forming a strong company. Um, and 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 again, like it's not something you choose, and and statistically, you know, like because it's a crisis, then uh, the, the likelihood of surviving it is lower. But I think if you do survive it, then uh, again, going back to the to the stats and the data, it looks like it's it's more likely that you you emerge stronger and and have a better chances of kind of scaling into, into, uh, into your, you know, whatever your goal is, uh, you know, in a way also thanks to the crisis. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If there's something you could have done differently for the past 12 months, some learnings to take away, something you, you would have told yourself at the beginning of, beginning of COVID, is, is there, is there something? Yeah. So, so I, I I think you have to be an optimist in order to do my job, right? And and uh, because optimist and arrogant, because uh, you know you're looking at the stats when you start a company, and you know what what you know that like the likelihood of actually getting into like you know 100 billion dollar market cap, basically it's it's the chances are very very low. Yeah, being it's an entrepreneur is ridiculous. It's just a ridiculous yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So everybody who comes to me is like, hey, should I be a founder? Like, no, join me in my company because. <laughs> You know, like statistics thinking going to fail and, and you're a very smart person, so I want you to join us. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty silly decision and you take it because you're an optimist and arrogant. So yeah. um, so, so I try to control both. I try to control for, for, for both uh, aspects. I, I don't typically keep a journal, but I, I started, it felt like I should, you know, keep keep a journal for, for, for the COVID year. So I started writing it um, around, yeah, around the time we, we had a new plan. So beginning of March, and if, if I go back to what I wrote to myself, I, I never shared it with anybody, but uh, when, I, when I go back to what I wrote for myself back in March, uh, I said, you know, I wrote, I told myself that this would be over by June of 2020. So I said, this is, you know, it's going to be over by June. So, so I think I would have changed a bit the, my optimism. And like, I'm not saying I would be like, you know, a pessimist, but I would, I would adjust a bit how optimist I am. Uh, the good news were that I, I have different level of optimism in, in my team. And and we had, for example, one one of my leadership team members was very pessimistic about about, or in my view, was pessimistic. He was actually realistic. He, he was right, and I was wrong. Uh, and and because of how we make decisions, um, his uh, what I perceive as, as pessimism, what actually realism, uh, influenced uh, our decision making, and we actually took decisions with this in mind. So, uh, but had I uh, had my pessim- had my optimism. Uh, one, we probably would have died uh, uh, running out of cash. So I probably would have adjusted a bit my, my optimism uh, and, 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 and be, I probably would have you know, chosen to be more, let's go with the data instead of trying to find the data that fits my optimism, which was 
how I handled it at the beginning. I was like, oh, look at this, look at this, because the cases are like this, are flatter, so it's over. Like I was really trying to find whatever data point that, that proves that I was right, and I, until I realized that, no, you, you know, this is going to be with us for, for, for a bit longer than what you, you thought originally. Yeah, no, I think that's what makes you a great entrepreneur, and, and that would be a questionable mode of doing science, but luckily you're, a, you're yeah. an entrepreneur, and I think we're looking yeah. forward to you writing a real wartime peacetime CEO uh, article and and uh, sending that over to Ben at some point. So uh, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much. Yes, thank, thank you so you much. much. Thank you. And thanks to everyone who tuned in. Uh, leave a comment and tell us where your favorite destination to travel is once this all opens up. See you in the next episode. Bye. See ya. Stay safe. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed your visit to that conversation as much as we did. Now, If you want to stay updated and keep in touch with us, please subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and all other podcast platforms. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, and then Facebook. You guessed it, Soap by Slush. Thank you, people, for listening. Bye-bye.